possible. Anything's possible! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. I'm your host, Chris, joined by my co-host, Billy. Welcome, Billy. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Ready for Celtics season. Exactly. I've known Billy for a long time, and we have always wanted to do a podcast together, sir. So now we have the opportunity, so I'm excited for this. It's an honor to take our arguments, you know, that we normally have for the world to hear. <laughs> All right, so we're going we're gonna to catch up everyone from the summer trades and the uh, extensions and whatnot, just to have everyone ready for the start of the season. So we're going to discuss the Kristaps Porzingis trade, Smart going to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, we'll also get into uh, the loss of Grant Williams. He was a restricted free agent here in Boston. But um, we did not sign him. The Drew Holiday trade, Brogdon and Rob Williams going to Portland, and the extension with uh, Peyton Pritchard, four years, thirty million. So, first up, we'll talk about the Kristaps Porzingis trade. Um, what do you think about it, Billy? Well, let's let's not get into the what ifs with the Brogdon part. I know we have some mutual friends that love to get into. Oh, it should have been Brogdon, not Smart. Let's just take it for what it is. Marcus Smart was in the trade. Why did it happen? And here's why it happened. We had three different coaches, same issue, especially in the playoffs, specifically in the last five minutes of games. The offense went stagnant. Why is that? Teams are playing off Marcus. They're double-teaming the Jays. There's nowhere to go. Now, with a, Brad's favorite thing, shooting with size, with a 7-3 unicorn, they are not going to be able to play that zone the same way against our teams. And that's why that trade happened. And I would have to agree with you on that 100%. I also like the trade. I know you did as well, so we're not going to really have differing opinions on this too much. But what I didn't like about this trade at the beginning was, you know, why it wasn't Brogdon, why was it Smart instead. But regardless, that's neither here nor there at this point. But it was losing Marcus Smart, his defensive tenacity, you know, diving to the ground first. That at first was a big loss to me. And I know um, Derek White, and the, that, that's why I was fine with the move in general, because Derek White basically is a better version of Marcus Smart. He was second team defensive last year, and he could fill that role easily. And offensively, he's way more efficient than what Marcus Smart probably is, you know? I 100% agree. And I kind of thought that maybe if Joe didn't want to say it, but White outplayed Marcus last year and probably should have been closing the games. And he just, you know... Marcus had the seniority, he had the locker room, and he just couldn't do that. So giving White the opportunity to be the starting point guard was a big part of why Marcus was moved, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. When we had three point guard deaths as well, you know, so we probably had the luxury to be able to move him, you know. And um, Chris Stapps, I mean, this guy can do it all offensively. He's going he's gonna to demand the attention on the floor, and he's going to make everybody's game easier, so... And a very underrated rim protector. He's great in drop. He's great at altering shots. I mean, we saw it in the little bit of preseason. It's hard to shoot when that guy's in the middle. No, exactly. And um, obviously this is a Celtics pod and all, but we all love Marcus for what he was. You know, he played so hard here. And if I had to ask you who won this trade, what would you say? Did we, did we win it? Did we lose it? Did they win it? What do you got? I hate to say it. We love and trust Marcus Smart, but I thought we sold high on him. I think getting an 
bona fide all-star with some picks. We got some nice draft capital that obviously we're going to talk about later that we started to use. And it just felt like it was kind of time because for whatever reason, the Jays always deferred to Marcus because he was the big brother. And I think it's time for them to be that voice in the locker room and not, you know, the fifth best player on the team, if we're being honest, sixth best player. Sometimes they were kind of maybe, you know, I don't want to say scared to take that shot, but they knew Marcus would, so they kind of bailed them out. But um, this is obviously a win for us. But I honestly think it's a win for Memphis as well. I think they got great guard depth, and he's going to play great behind John Moran. Derek Rose would help out that situation as well. Well, they certainly needed an adult in the room. And Marcus will at least get, hopefully, be a nice role model for Ja to kind of get his crap together. Exactly. So, um, off to Grant, the Grant Williams. Um, this one. So now we lose Marcus Smart, you know, and then we don't extend. Well, we don't um, sign Grant Williams. Um, he was a restricted free agent, if I remember correctly. That that really ticked me off at the time because I'm like, damn it. Well, we just lost one of our de- best defensive players who could guard basically one through five in any particular situation. Now we're losing Grant Williams, who could maybe not guard the one, but, you know, could pick up big bodies, some wings as well, above average defender, you know. And he was a great three-point shooter. They probably shot 40% from three last season, if I had to take a guess. Um, And, you know, losing his defensive versatility, I thought was going to really hurt the team. And especially when you got to guard a guy like Giannis, you know. What what did you think about that? Well, fair or not, I mean, Grant just lost favor with the coaching staff. And I'll specifically say Joe, because for whatever reason, Joe wasn't a fan of the talking and the extra antics. And Grant just didn't play as well as he did the year before. Uh, Specifically in the playoffs, the defense wasn't there. He was getting burnt by, like, Duncan Robinson, like, for layups, like, in switches. It looked really bad, and I don't know if it was maybe the pressure of playing for a contract, so he wanted to try to do more, and he was more focused on trying to score and do these stupid dribbles and post moves. But whatever it was, it got him in the doghouse with Joe, and I was not surprised to see him go. Yeah, he probably developed that Terry Rogier syndrome um, last season. Um, But now, like I said, I was upset with losing Grant. And I wasn't big on Jordan Walsh, but Summer League came around, and I was excited. I'm like, wow, maybe Brad and Maz did do the right thing. And, you know, you know, he's probably going to be a work in progress, but I like what I saw from him. I mean, he's essentially a similar player. He shot like crap in college from three-point, but in Summer League, he was outstanding. You know, and his defense versatility is going to be like grand, if not better. Yeah, and he might be a year or two away, but you definitely saw it there. Like, even in the silly preseason game, like, Julius Randle tried to do a spin move on him, and he just straight up ripped him and then took it the other way for a bucket. Like, that's an all-NBA player that he ripped as a rookie. Um, The one thing with him that he will have to really work on is uh, he shuffles his feet when he catches the ball, and the referees love to call that on rookies. I think he had three or four of them just in the game yesterday. Yeah, he's not going to get that superstar call like a vet would get for sure. Um, Next up, Peyton Pritchard signing four years, $30 million. Um, We got him on a steal. I know he demanded a trade 
the last maybe two seasons, definitely last season, you know, he went public about it, but he was, I thought he was respectful when he was asked the question, you know, he didn't really burn himself, but this is a player who I never really wanted to get rid of because if we did extend him, I knew it would be on a good deal like he just got. What do you think about it? It's a beautiful extension. I mean, that that's Mike Zarin at work because we're not going to have the uh, MLE for the next few years. We're going to be a second apron team. And essentially that salary is less than the non-tax MLE. So you could probably see they had an Excel sheet out. They're like, yeah, we're going to spend this kind of much anyway. Let's give it to Pritchard. It's very team friendly. And I honestly don't think it's that tradable because as being a, sec- a second apron team, you can't aggregate salaries. So you can't trade him in a deal for a player that makes more than him. And not many guys make less than him are going to be better than him. So I think he really just kind of sealed himself as being a Celtic for the next couple of years. Yeah, not to get too much into the new CBA, but I'll just piggyback off that real quick. And I was reading that with the new CBA that Drew Holiday trade and Damian Lillard trade would have even been possible with what the players were involved and whatnot I was reading. That is correct. Both are second apron teams, so they would not have been allowed to do that. And I think that's why Brad probably, you know, pulled that trade off with Drew just to, you know, kind of go all in because this was his last year to probably be able to do it with the old rules and standing. But um, Peyton Pritchard, man, I mean, I love him. He's the best, probably one of the best regular season backup point guards in the league. He's probably not going to get the respect of that. But he plays hard. He shoots the ball well. He's the he's a great guy to have off that bench. Because let's be honest, everybody gets hurt throughout the season, even if it's for three games, five games, maybe it's even longer. You can rely on him. He's a good fill-in, you know. The only issue is with him, I don't really see him off as a playoff backup point guard. Rotation would have to go a little smaller like it usually does in the playoffs, you know. It's just his size. He's going to get you know get switched on, the mismatches or whatnot. He'll get used and abused a little bit, but in you know little burst minutes, he's gonna be great. You know he he could he's a spark off the bench. You know, no, you said it exactly. He's a spark. He's a spark plug. He's not really a traditional point guard. He's not gonna create for others, but you could put him in in five to seven minute stints. He might hit three four threes. Like exactly. he's stretching the floor. It's it's phenomenal. And look, looking at our bench, we're gonna need that spark plug to be honest with you. I'm a little higher on the bench than you are, but we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to that. So, what do you what do you got for the preseason thoughts so far? We've had two games played so far. First game we beat Philly. Second game I didn't really get the catch. We uh, lost against the Knicks. I know the starters didn't play, but what do you got? What's your summary for that? Um, the spacing. I know you know Crip stops only played two three quarters, but the spacing and just the different look of where our players are catching and getting the ball, how they're defended. It's completely different. It's wide open. And that's really why I think you saw Tatum get like, what was it? 10 uh, free throws in three quarters. Uh, He kept getting to the line because he had the lane to drive. It was spaced out. They couldn't just, you know, let's not guard Marcus in the, on the side here. Let's, let's make sure we're guarding the Jays. And I thought everybody benefited from it. I was really impressed. Yeah, and um, it's preseason, so I don't want to get too high or too low. Um, my negatives, you, you know my negatives, but I'll, you know. Yeah, please. I'll tell, I'll tell the whole world what they were. Tatum, look, Tatum's going to have to take a little bit of a backseat to me, I think, for this team to be at its best. I don't and I don't mean backseat like, you know, third fiddle. He 
maybe you got to take the foot off the pedal a little bit, a little less ISO, play, make a little bit more, get to your high efficiency shot locations, you know, what, whatever those are on the floor for him. I don't know what a shot shot looks like, but he's got to know where those spots are more efficient for him because inside the yard, KP Porzingis is so efficient and whatnot. Um, his first game, Tatum was three for 13. You're right. He did get to the line nine times, um, had a double, double, uh, 10 rebounds. So, you know, Tatum's always going to play hard in the defensive end. He's always going to get you the rebounds. Um, Brown was great. Drew Holiday didn't do much, six points. This is going to be interested in how Missoula is going to, you know, kind of get him involved in the offense. I know White knows the offense already, and he knows how to play with the Jays and can kind of figure it out. And Drew came off the bench, and maybe he's got to start, and White can be come off the bench because maybe he knows everybody's tendencies a little bit better, you know? I'm really curious. I mean, that's the biggest question, and I don't think it's going to be answered anytime soon of what is the starting lineup. I know Missoula is going to say he doesn't care. We have six starters, and it's going to change on any given night because maybe Al's resting that night. Sometimes we'll start the two guards. Sometimes one of the guards will come off the bench. I do think that out of out of everybody, it kind of is easiest to have Holiday be the first one off the bench, but he's arguably the second or third best player on the team. So at some point you're going to be really, really challenged to justify like, yeah, our best guy, especially our best defenders coming off the bench. I, I just don't think that's sustainable. So that yeah. is the million dollar question for Joe. You're right. Maybe second, third best play, but just not that you got the money situation. He's paid like it as well. You know, when he's going to be due for that extension and whatnot, you can't pay a guy to come off the bench. And even if his minutes are similar, I don't know. I, I just don't know if his, some some players have a hard time getting into a rhythm off the bench. Some guys excel at it, like Jamal Crawford, you know. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Peyton Pritchard was that spark plug game one, 26 points. He just went off. He was a madman. He was good in the second game as well. It's just they didn't really play him in uh, the fourth quarter. They wanted to see what the other guys could do. But that was a very winnable game against New York's regulars. With just without our top six, I thought that was a. It kind of said more about our, our bench that everybody's kind of down on than it did about the Knicks. That's for sure. Yeah. So who who are you most surprised off of our bench so far? Um, I'm gonna butcher his name, but I'm told it's pronounced <laughs> like this. Uh, Sevi, Sevi, yeah, Mihaluk. Yeah, I yeah. think I said that right. Um, yeah, he he's more great. athletic than I thought. I mean, he had a putback dunk. Like I, yeah. I did not expect him to be able to get up like that. And obviously the shooting's there. He has a little bit of playmaking. The only thing that Sam really edges him on, and it's pretty significant, is defense and rebounding. Like, Sam hasn't been able to hit the backside of a barn these last two games, but his defense has been good, and he's had seven, eight boards, like, each game. Like, So I don't know. Uh, but that, that race between those two is really interesting because one gives you more on one end, and the other is just kind of stable at everything. Stable shooter you could trust. Like, I know the slump and all, but – I expect Sam to be a 40% shooter, and he's going to give you the defense and reboundings. It's a really interesting race. Yeah, uh, the issue, my negatives is Sam. I mean, I was high on him last year. Then he kind of got cold a little bit around the playoffs, and he's got to be a little bit more consistent, you know, six minutes, 25 points. He's got to he's got to find his role a little bit better. And I thought Cornette, I'm not a, I'm not a, 
downer on Cornet. I think he can be play the backup big role just fine. I'm not paranoid over it. I know a lot of people were extremely worried about losing Rob in his rim protection. Yeah, I agree. We lost a lot of rim protection, but I don't know if you remember the replay from game one. Allen, Chris Tapps, you know, went to go block a guy driving to the rim together. <laughs> yep. It was phenomenal. <laughs> so, and it's, mean, it's, it's hard if, it's hard not to mention. I mean, Rob played, what, 35 games last year? We're pretty yeah. used to playing without Rob. No, you're right. But the only issue that, I, that I'm concerned about is Al's age. And, okay, Al goes down. Now it's Luke. Who's yep. backing up Luke now? You know, what are we going to do? Yeah, I love uh, Kata from the Kings, but uh, he's not ready. He's a, he needs at least a year in Maine. He fouls way too much. He's got the springs. He's got that Rob bounce, but he's he's a foul machine. He's robbed those first couple of years. He'll jump at everything. And and I'm sure Brad and Maz know this as well, because when we lost Mark, I'm sure they realized that we need another point guard, and we got lucky getting Drew, but they were clearly cognizant of it, you know? And I'm sure they're cognizant of the big situation as well, losing Rob and only having Cornette and Al as well. I mean, with Al and KP and Tatum, we're still a really big basketball team, you know? We still got a lot of size. More than most. That's the funny thing. Like... Exactly. And Al <laughs> might not be a traditional big, but he can guard, you know? He guards like one. Exactly. Oh, we're going to wrap it up with our last segment. Um, it's called Take That for Data. If anyone doesn't know, it's from one of David Fis- Fisdale's uh, tirades uh, post-game when he was, you know, flipping all a little bit. If anyone wants a YouTube it, check it out, see it for yourself. So- Take that for data. So it's a running joke among our guys. So this uh, subject line is going to be, 91% of teams that won an NBA championship in the last 20-plus years have a MVP on the team. So, with that being said, for us to win an NBA championship this year, Tatum either needs to win an MVP or we're going to win by committee. There's only been two teams to do that in the last 20 years. First team, most recently, was the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard in the Detroit Pistons with Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, and that great team. Which is it going to be, Billy? You know, um, I don't know if you saw the GM poll that came out today. They pulled all the GMs on NBA.com. I seen it. And they do have Tatum third in the MVP uh, expectations. But I really don't think it would be yet. But the funny thing about that stat, there is a little bit of a loophole there. We could win the championship this year, and Tatum doesn't have to win the MVP this year. The stat will still be true if Tatum wins it a year from now, two years from now, whenever that may be. Now, I get it. It's a great stat. There's very similar ones, like every championship team has had a first-team All-NBA player except for, like, two or three in the last 25 years. Every uh, team that has won a championship has had a player that has previously won a championship on a different team when they won a championship that's fine too championship experience there's all these like pretty close to 90 percent, but we like the 91 percent mvp stat it's our favorite it's our go-to here so um i do think he's going to get an mvp in his career so i do think it's going to be true all right don't dog and pony me get to the chase is he winning mvp this year or not he's got my vote (laughs) (laughs) 
Like I said earlier on, for this team to be most successful, Tatum has to take that foot off the gas pedal. He still has to be the best player on the basketball team. But it's going to be... I don't think he can be in that MVP race by taking that pedal, by taking that foot off the pedal. We have to be the one seed, for sure. Not going to win MVP in the two seed. And he's just going to have to... He's got to chill out a little bit. He's going to have to let Chris Stapps work a little bit more. Brown do his thing. We're going to win the championship this year, but it's going to be by committee. We're going to be the third team to do it in most recent time. That's my take. I like it. Take that for data. Take that for data. All right, guys, that concludes everything. Thanks, Billy. I appreciate it. First podcast in the book. Thank you, sir. Ah. Uh, Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We're going to do this regularly, guys, so I hope you guys keep tuning in. We'll be updating you, and uh, usually we argue a lot more, so, you know, expect that. All right, guys, thanks. See you next week. Did you call a bank?